Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 51 here on Tuesday, September 28th, the day after the reconciliation vote. Oh, wait. No, the this vote, the infrastructure vote. It was promised and didn't happen. This is Tom Pyle, your co-host. This is Mike McKenna, 51. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams. Bernie retired. Retired that a, a, number. An extremely skilled human being. Oh, man, a, he's great, the best. a great baseball player and a concert guitarist of all things. That's right. That's right. That's, that's you know. He played the national anthem at the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony this year. Ahead of why? Well, Jeter. Was, I mean, they're never going to let Jeter him in. The... They're never going to let him in. So I wouldn't play it by it. I'd be like, forget it. You kiss me. Forget I think it. Jeter I'm asked gonna... him, and and this may be blasphemy. No, it is. This may be blasphemy, but Maybe. I was underwhelmed by Jeter's speech. I, I really didn't even was. listen. You know, here's the bottom line: the guy spent 20 years in the best media market on the planet, not saying anything. So he, after he pretty a while, much didn't say anything at this thing too. Yeah, after a while, you become a United States senator, yeah. right? You're 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 so busy explaining how whatever it is you just did isn't what you just did that yeah. after a while you're like, words well, mean you know, nothing. It's my teammates, and they all lift. You know, we want to give it 110 percent. You know, even when sometimes you only felt like giving 104 percent, and you know the coaches. I want to thank everybody from like my little league coach up to, you know. God about well, he didn't him. he actually didn't thank God though. That was the oh, interesting thing. I mean, did, at one point that? did he uh it contrasts that with Mariano Rivera, who that right out of the box led with that and said it was was not for him. He would not have his incredible pitch. Well, that's true. So it, 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 the um or you can compare him with Joe DiMaggio, right? Whose sign still hangs still hangs in the Yankee locker room, right? Um I wanna Thank God for making me a New York Yankee. Yeah. Right? As Italians, you really can't take them anywhere. <laughs> They're always praying. Always praying. All right. Uh, I'm sure our fans don't want to hear anything more our about this. Our fans can pretty much go to hell. Uh, easy. <laughs> easy. We don't want to lose any <laughs> listeners, man. You know who you are out okay, there. Okay. Um, where are we starting today? Uh, where would you like to I start? I don't know. All right, you know what? I'll start. I don't I'll know. start with a with a palate cleanser. How about that? Sure. An amuse bouche. Uh, amuse bouche. Amuse bouche. Is that how you pronounce that? I always wondered how you pronounce that. Hey, frankly, I always found it vaguely annoying. The chef would like you to eat something that you didn't ask for, and you're probably not going to like. But here it is. Um, and we're not going to give you your actual food until you eat it, and we take it away. It's usually in a spoon, too. I don't, that... I don't care for it. I don't understand why they torture us with food that the chef wants to eat. If the chef wants to eat it, let him eat it. Uh, by the way, at, at my house, the amuse-bouche are always the same, right? It's either lasagna or macaroni and cheese. Um, I don't know how to say this the right way, so I'm just going to say it. Uh, the NFL, um, despite playing the Black National Anthem... And despite all this hoorah at the beginning of the games, the NFL is a racist organization. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Sure. I'm, yeah. like, I'm excited for this. <laughs> I was going to say. So I'm watching the – I'm actually listening to the Giants lose their um, their 49th game in the last four years. Um, uh. In the last – really in the last – yeah, four years. Um, worst record in football, right, in the last four years. General manager, a guy named Dave Gettleman, uh, worst record of any general manager in the t in his 
um, tenure now. I think he's 18 and 31. He might be 18 and 32. It doesn't really matter, right? He's 18 and not very good. So when they went to hire Gettleman three years ago, the the hot commodity on that in in general manager land was Lewis Riddick, right? Um, and Lewis had been um, – had been, I think it's, yeah, it's Lewis Riddick. Yeah, Lewis had been um, director of player personnel at the Eagles and had played in the league for nine years and you know ESPN. Um, and Dave Gettleman is white, and Lewis Riddick is black. And Dave Gettleman is sixty five or sixty six or sixty seven years old, and and Lewis Riddick is whatever he is thirty five forty. And they gave it to Dave Gettleman. They gave it to Dave Gettleman because he was part of the old boys club, right? And Dave Gettleman is hopeless. He's terrible. He's a bad general manager. He's not any good. But he still has yet to be fired. Three years in, he still has yet to be fired. And you know why? Because John Mara, the guy who owns the Giants, um, knows that he would then have to reopen the general manager search and have to hire somebody like Lewis Riddick. What I'm saying is, is that in any normal field of human endeavor, if somebody showed up late in their careers, really late in their careers, and was obviously incapable of doing the job, they would get shown the door pretty quick. In the NFL, a guy like Gettleman has now survived for three seasons, and there's no sign that he's going to get tossed. Well, this goes um, back to your point about the, New Yorkers tolerating and Lewis Riddick management for and, their franchises. And Lewis Riddick sits there on ESPN and wastes some valuable, productive years of his career. Now, they have the Rooney rule, right? We have to interview black folks for um, coaching jobs, but there's no similar rule in the general manager's suite, the actual mm-hmm. people who make decisions. Do you want to guess how many um, general managers there are who are people of color in the NFL at the moment? I'd say a big zero. One. Okay. There's one. As recently as six or seven years ago, there were five or six or seven. Right, but over time that's fallen away. There's no excuse for having a guy like Edelman floating around and having a guy like Riddick sitting on the bench, except for the Giants, at least, and the NFL probably larger. Despite all that black national anthem and all that hoorah, when it comes right down to it, they're racist. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills pounded on the Washington football team, which was actually very exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, man, it's good. So. I'm glad. They lost the first game this year, but I think that they're going to settle. They're going to be fun. They're going to be. They're, they're probably the second. And it's kind of nice um, for a change. Oh yeah, it's kind of nice for a change. Sure, heck yeah. I can understand. You can understand my frustration for. Oh yeah, years yeah, and yeah, years yeah. The years. difference is the difference is though the Bills hired a succession of hopeless idiots, right? <laughs> the Giants have just kept the same old oh, hopeless yeah, idiot. Right. And and at a certain point, you're like, okay, there's only two possible answers here. Um, you guys don't want to hire the, the person you should hire because some certain considerations, or you're everybody as negligent and hopeless as the guy you got now. Either way, it's not an answer. Funny thing is, Giant fans boo John Mara at halftime, right? Because it was Eli Manning's retirement ceremony. So Giants fans booed him. I'm like, that's great, but if you really hated it, tear up your season tickets. Yeah. Walk away. There's the difference right there. Yeah, man. Anyway, sorry. Uh, are there so there's uh, your there, there's your there's uh, your there bleep Joe Bidens at NFL games too? Like not a, yet. at all the college not yet. college but, but games? Not yet. There's your amuse bouche <laughs> that you didn't want to eat. Yeah, but I really. gave it to you anyway. All right. Um, 
So I guess we could uh, shift over to a little energy news. Which, by the way, Charlie Hurt wrote an editorial this morning, a column this morning on the F- in, on in the, what publication? The Washington Times mm-hmm. on the FJB um, phenomena. He put it FJB. I was like, it took me a second to figure out. Like, what's he? Oh, uh, sure. Mm. <laughs> um, this is from FT. Financial Times. Yes, sir. Oil prices rise above $80 a barrel for first time in three years. Subtitle, coal and European gas prices rallied to record peaks as traders braced themselves for winter crunch. Coal, carbon, and European gas prices have all hit record highs as crude oil pushed above $80 a barrel. And the clearest sign yet that the world is heading into an energy crunch likely to weigh on economic growth. Yeah, I, I, I would. I'm not sure about the world. I'm sure Europe is right. Um, you know, they had a bad, they had a bad summer with respect to wind, so they wound up burning more gas. So their inventories are low, and the Russians are no doubt withholding some of it. Um, I, I don't think America understands just exactly how bad the situation in Europe is going into the cold months. Right? There's no gas in the inventory. Um, and electricity prices are three times normal in in Great Britain, right? It it we're unless we have a very mild winter, we're going to have some weather related fatalities that could have been avoided, and not just a couple, but but a lot, right? And if it's a bad winter, it, there's there's potential for real problems. And this is this is in the this is in the developed world. Right? We're not yep. we're not talking about you know. Someplace in in Africa, you know, we're talking about the core of Europe, and it affects America because um, there's going to be calls out for more LNG, right? And I'm not sure that the petrochemical community is going to be all that excited about shipping more gas offshore when when gas is not spiky but rising, right? Well, right now, U.S. gas is six bucks. Yeah, that's so, about twice. Is, about twice what it was when the boss got into office, right? The yeah. current boss. <laughs> this is the highest price in seven years. Yeah, I mean, so. it's been bouncing around at three bucks forever, yeah, forever and ever and yeah. ever. And 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 it still should be at three bucks. Um, but you know, um, one other energy uh, news. This is from and and I bet you that I I don't know the exact prices in Europe. But I'm sure they're 15 bucks, so the arbitrage is easy, right? So sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, you know, the 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 fact is is that Europe is headed for a bad winter, a really really, a really rough stretch here, I, and and related to energy, right? Energy, uh, you know, all this stuff that's been going on uh, everywhere that all these, you know, sort of this effort to force this transition yeah. is at its, you know, peak yeah. or apex is where all the problems are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, and I think that's why, you know, <laughs> this may be cynical, but let me just, just hear me out. Yeah. I think that's why we're not reading much about Europe in the, in the American papers because, right. because it would, it would require everybody to say the core of this problem, the root cause as as our friends on the other side like to say, the root co- cause of this problem is that you've been monkeying around with a system you don't understand, and um, physics and economics are about to give you a yeah. really ugly lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, 
we we can we were, I was chatting earlier about our our friend from Spain in 2009 with his Spanish yeah, green job study um in 2009 when they were selling uh the Obama folks were selling all this they kept pointing to Europe we need to be more like more Europe more like Europe more like Europe we need to be more like Europe we need to be more like Europe right i bet you we're not going to get any of that this winter yeah probably not although although we'll probably say it a couple times I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay, so another piece here. This is from Reuters. Uh, China's widening electricity crisis caused by coal shortage <laughs> in the grip of a severe shortage of both coal and electricity as the economy has resumed strong growth after the coronavirus recession, but coal mine output has failed to keep up, leaving generators short of fuel. Um, I... I'm sad. What's the hydroelectric output has fallen slightly this year and running at the lowest level since 2018, intensifying pressure on thermal generators uh, to make up the shortfall. And the uh, fact that they're trying to cool down on some of the air quality issues in the run up to the Olympics that are coming up. Yeah. Um, and forced uh, shutdowns in the in the production areas as a result. I mean, you know, the 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 Chinese are less likely to care than European governments about all this stuff. But again, you you seriously just can't monkey around with physics and economics. It'll it'll they'll both they'll both kill you over time. Meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> back in Texas. Back at the ranch. Back in, uh, back in Texas no, where we um, had our own 700 Another tech. Another piece. This is – hold on. Stall. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. This, this is this. From, from Oil and Gas Journal. China hopes to increase oil and natural gas production in the next few years to meet rising domestic demand and reduce the record high share of imports in its oil consumption. Rystad Energy projects uh, projects a surge in spending until 2025, which will be accompanied by a drilling spree totaling 118,000 wells and spending 120 billion dollars to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A drilling spree. I kind of so, like the yeah. sound of that. So China is gonna is really all in on this on this existential threat stuff. Uh, you know, well, okay. So let's just skip ahead a couple of pages, right? Um, what's his name? She. She, um, Prime Minister Xi, President Xi, but uh, strongman Xi, Secretary, maximum leader. <laughs> um, uh, at the end of last week, said, "Hey, I'm not. We're not going to finance. We're not going to finance any more coal uh, projects internationally, right?" Okay, so two things about that just cracked me up. Right, American press grabbed it like a drowning man grabs for a rope. Um, Two things about that, right? One, he didn't say anything about domestic projects. So that's one. The other thing is he didn't say when they would stop financing international coal projects. But the, but the precious laps it, it all it, up. They didn't Just... say when. I'm like, I, I, I seriously, I read everything. And finally, I called up a reporter. I'm like, hey. He's like, oh, yeah, he didn't say when. Do you? Do you I'm like, are you for real? Do you wonder if reporters are now – like just not interested in the follow the obvious follow up questions, or yeah, or I, what? I, I think it. I think I think it comes in two flavors. Some some reporters, um, some 
aren't don't know anything. They don't know enough to ask the follow-up questions. Others don't want to ask the follow-up questions. And let's just stay on China for a second because this is a good example, right? Okay, so I haven't done the TikTok on it, but I'll, I'm going to go back and do it at some point. I think Tuesday, maybe Monday, um, the um, the lady who was the number two or three over at Huawei was released from Canadian custody in a deal that was brokered with the United States help, right? I don't know if you remember this. I think her name is Mang or Mong or Mang. Anyway, um, as part of that, we released two American, the Chinese released two Canadians that they had that they had been holding, right, specifically for this purpose. Thursday, um, strongman Xi makes his announcement, right? All right, now the 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 cynic in me says, hey, those things are all related, right? There's no way they all happen the same week without being related, right? Obviously, what happened was. Kerry was told, we are not going to talk about climate until um, you let our Huawei person go in Canada. Presto, Huawei person in Canada goes, we get a vague Chinese promise. Do you know not a single reporter, none, put those, those three events together? They didn't even suggest it. They didn't even say, hey, this follows on the heels of something that happened on Tuesday. It, it it wasn't. They didn't even put it together temporarily, let alone connected causally. Yeah, because they're all siloed, right? Yeah, like I, you know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm watching the news. I'm thinking this thing couldn't be more obvious. I mean, it, it clearly is a hostage situation where the Chinese are like, "You let our person go, and we'll give you some bone. We'll toss you a bone." Well, they that already you go said back that they already made clear what they're what they need from the united states they want to res restore these sure, confucius yeah. institutes yeah, yeah, yeah they want us to look the other way on taiwan and they want us to free up some of their their bad guys and they also want us to stop which fits into the huawei thing right and they want us to stop banging on them in in international um forums about being communists yeah. and slavers yeah. which which um you know, the great thing is, is every once in a while you'll find a guy like Special Climate Envoy Kerry uh, who's willing to do all that stuff. Yes, uh, and uh, speaking of Special Envoy Kerry, here is a, a short clip from a recent interview that he uh, participated in uh, with Bloomberg. Another issue related to China is importing of solar panels, uh, because clearly a priority of the Biden administration is really addressing climate, but it's not the only priority. There are other things as well, such as the Uyghur situation in the West. Uh, what, what is the process by which one trades off climate against human rights? Well, life, uh, you know, life is always full of tough choices in, in, in the relationship between nations. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> It, it, James, the most remarkable thing ever. <laughs> Just like we, we seriously have a representative of the United States government saying stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's awful. He's, it's, it, how in the world, uh, special climate. Hey, hey, first of all, it's not a Uyghur situation. Okay. But okay. The, I'll uh, let the reporter go. I was going to say the reporter's just, <laughs> the reporter's just trying to like get the question. I, well, life is always full of tough choices. Like, whether I should take my yacht or I should fly to the Caribbean. You know, you would think a guy who's 80 years old. Is that how old he is? I think he's 79. Uh -huh. You'd think a guy who's 80 years old 
would be a little more careful about about um he's close to meeting his maker he needs to be careful about stuff like this because I think the first question he might get asked is, so, so tell me about that tough t- choice. T- tell me about that tough choice between slavery and some batteries. Yeah. What is wrong with you people? Yeah, not a good look. It's a great look if you don't care about like humanity. Not a good look. Um, what else do we have in the energy department? Do you have anything? No, no, we're good. We're gonna move on. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm really interested in the European thing. I think that's gonna be a, it's gonna be a huge story for now. Five for the next four or five months, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about it. And I and I and I think the American press is gonna do everything in their power not to make to make sure that nobody thinks about, um, about this this monstrosity that we're trying to pass and what's happening in Europe at the same time. Um, okay, so we want to move on to the going shenanigans, if you will, on Capitol Hill. Should we uh, get I, into this? A little I don't. Bit? But what are our choices? Uh, we don't. We gotta. We gotta enlighten and entertain our listeners. I, I'd rather so. just. Uh, I'm gonna set this up uh, with a Joe Biden clip, <laughs> just to, just just for some uh, perspective on on where he thinks things are. Hey, we talk about price tags. It is. Zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, Now it's $3.5 trillion, Now it's is it going to be $2.9. It's going to be zero. Zero. Because in, the, in that plan that I put forward, and I said from the outset, I said I'm running to change the dynamic of how the economy grows. I'm tired of trickle down. Trillionaires and billionaires are doing very, very well. You all know, you've all reported. Trillionaires? They're in the middle of this crisis. But hardworking people and middle-class people are getting hurt. And so I provide for, for example, a tax cut. If you have a child, you get a refundable tax credit. It's reduced hunger in America by 40%. Oh, that's a lie. You have the, uh, uh, the whole notion of being able to provide for uh, daycare for your children, getting people back to school, et cetera. It's all paid for. It's all paid for. But a lot of these are flat tax cuts that exist within my proposal. And they're being calculated as if the cost of, of the of child care tax credit is a cost to the government. It's not. It's reducing Taxes. It is, Joe. Reducing taxes, not increasing taxes. Oh, now, part of the... Okay. Okay. I, Where do you want to start with this? I... Okay. There's only there's only one of three possible. Um, there, there's okay. This is their this is their new line. No, no. This well, is, well this it, it, it's it's not going to be their new right. line for more than a day right. or so. Don't right. worry about it. There's only one of three possible answers, right? Um, first off, it, of course, doesn't cost nothing. Um, so let's just get that out there. One of the three possible um, answers to this is uh, the president is knowingly lying to you that a man who spent 36 years in the Senate must understand that the Joint Committee on Taxation score is a net score. In other words, 
when they when they think about a new tax provision or a new spending provision, they think about the net cost to the federal government, taxes in and taxes out, right? So the net score of that child tax credit, right, is positive, right? It costs something to taxpayers. Um, so either either he's lying to you, that's choice number one. And choice number two is he's an idiot who never understood the process, which after 36 years in the Senate, I find almost impossible to believe, almost. And number three is, is that he's mentally um, uh, broken down in some important way and doesn't remember that they're net scores. Well, this um, is how they treat a joint tax. So here's circle back. And there's uh, one other thing that is unfair and absurd about what just, circle just, back just, just said. One other here, thing? here we go. Joint Committee on Taxation is a what is it? GOP talking points. Republican reports. Republican report the Republicans put out by the Republicans. I just it. I assume that 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 Mrs. Saki has been around town. That she's done like some work that involved Joint Committee on Taxation at some point. She must understand what the hell it does. Like I said, either these people are clueless and incompetent. Or they're hopeless, or they're lying to you. There's no, there's no other option, right? It's absurd. It's unfair and absurd that but, companies but not inaccurate, by the way. Costs. But not inaccurate. But then she didn't even like she, she didn't even she, she, she was basically saying that the GOP is making up this thing that you know since these companies are going to pass the cost on, there that's the tax increase. And, no, and, that's not what the JCT said. They said these are tax increases, and sixteen percent of taxpayers are going to wind up getting a, a higher hit. Fairly pedestrian, middle of the fairway stuff from from joint tax, right? I'm I'm. I I, I say this every week. I got to stop saying it. Um, I used to think very highly of this team, but they are that their 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 willingness to just flat out lie you know um, the difference the, i mean the difference what, just be, yes, obfuscate yes, be, what just what's the word lie. just flat, flat out lie, lie. Here, here's the difference right if a trump administration official made a mistake like that you would look at it and say well you know hell they're from kansas city who the hell knows what they actually know right there's a 50 50 they're just wrong about it right um but these guys these guys all sold themselves on, hey, we're competent. We've done this three or four times. We know everything. We've done everything. So the only conclusion you can be left with is, is that they're lying. They're outright I mean, lying to all you. All of this. And is, anybody who came up, a, who, is, whoever came up with the zero cost, it, yeah. it's the, 
This is not this. This is their line. I've I've seen this in a few places. Now. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it elsewhere too. It is without a doubt the the most egregious thing I've ever seen in terms of communicating with the American people about taxes. I mean, it's just flat out wrong. Not and 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 they know it's wrong. All right. So uh, one of our crack producers. One of pulled our, up one so of our producers our, on our crack. crack producer <laughs> no, our, not our producer on crack our producer on crack our crack producer uh pulled some some stats um on the the um the zero tax yeah. tax proposal yeah. would result in a loss of three trillion of economic output over the next 10 years a loss of 1.6 trillion of worker compensation over the next 10 years, a loss of more than 10,000 on average in compensation for workers in the next 10 years, and a lifetime drop in living standards of almost 4% for young workers. Is that who's whose data is that? Um this is the Club for Growth Foundation. Yeah. So. So Dan Mitchell and Robert P O'Quinn. Yeah. So basically right-wing fanatics Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, that's Dan Mitchell. That's is, what Dan Mitchell's is what? What's he about? Our age? I mean, he's been at it for a long time, right? Yeah. It, it the, first off, those are great numbers, telling numbers, and no doubt accurate numbers. Um, they must be worried, right? There's no other way to explain this, right? You you only start doing stuff like this when you're when you're anxious. I don't want to say desperate, but you're anxious. Right. Right? Well, let's let's get our fans up to speed on where everything is because there's a lot of moving parts right okay. now it's all kind of rolling along i'll start with i'll start um, let me start i'll start the giants are 0-3 okay. the bills are two and one the bills are two and one and the Yankees that, just mowed the red sox yeah, over. Just mowed the red sox and they got the jays tonight and that's it and that's the end <laughs> that's of it. it we're done that's it's a wrap <laughs> all right so Today, yesterday was the deadline for BIF, which is the ridiculous name for this infrastructure bill. Um, the deadline has obviously since passed, but they fudged it by saying, "Oh well, we didn't say we would have a vote on Monday. We said we would get, the, you know, have have to, you know, they they basically said we're starting debate, so that counts." This is set for Thursday, BIF. Now, yeah. as of today, right now, the two pieces of legislation have been officially decoupled by the by the democratic leadership including Pelosi and Schumer and the progressives are now saying well we're not as concerned about the top line number as we are about the projects and the things that will be included in in the in the um, reconciliation legislation so they're giving they're they're giving a little wiggle room on the other hand they the progressive caucus or whatever has basically said we are still not going to vote for this thing until we see this other bill on the floor. So we're in in sort of a, a brinksmanship situation right now with the Democrats. And the Republicans are on the sideline on this one. So I um, I have told Mike earlier today, uh, I don't think that um, – I think the bill is going to pass on Thursday. I think Biff is going to pass on Thursday. I think she's going to figure out a way to get enough Democrats and maybe a handful of Republicans to vote for the thing – and she'll be able, like, the two or three hardliner progressives might have a uh, might be able to vote no, depending on how many Republicans come along. So that's my prediction on the infrastructure package. Okay, let let let's get some numbers down. What do you figure the likelihood of a package gets to both get done? 
Both? Both. Um, I'm, less, we're, we're not... I'm less certain about both, but I do think that this bill is going to pass on Thursday. See. The Democrats need something, and the, the highway bill runs out on – expires on Thursday. It doesn't matter. They can punt it, but this is – that's the sort of the, the, the pressure point uh, that they're putting uh, on it. Uh, okay. You, you give me both. And, and me... I say this because – and I, I've been saying this consistently – the conservatives and the progressives are usually the ones who get rolled in a situation like this. The ones who have to vote no, um, there'll be – for as many Republicans that support it, there'll be that many progressives that vote against it. Well, right right now there's only five Republicans who are on record as saying they're going to be in favor of it. Okay, back to my question. What's your what's – your, what's So your, what's there's your... a lot more going on. But before I get into my prediction on reconciliation, we got to talk about the debt ceiling – and the situation with the budget and the continuing resolution, and I hand that over to you. Well, continuing resolution, continuing resolution is going to get done fairly easily, right? They're going to, they're going to, um, somewhere in the next day or so, they're going to have to send a clean version over. The tricky part is what the House passed is not a clean version, right? It's different than it's different than than the appropriations from last year. And what the Senate wants is Senate wants more defense money. And I think it's twenty billion extra dollars. It's like you know the the o five o account. It's like what seven o four was the proposal, and the Republicans wanted seven twenty five. I think billion now, right? So, so kids, my recommendation is go into um, defense contractor land because win or lose your wars, you get a bunch of money. Um, anyway, so I'm not exactly sure like how pristine everyone's going to require that clean to be, but. Eh. We'll probably get it done here in the next week or so, a, a short shutdown. The debt ceiling, Democrats are going to move to amend the um, the budget resolution under which we're operating. They're going to have to do that now shortly, right? Because we're – Janet Yellen said, hey, I'm going to run out of runway on October 18th. Yeah. October 18th. So three weeks, right? It's it, The whole process could be done in probably 10 days, but it's got to get done. And while it's getting done, there's going to be a lot of anxiety um, out in the financial markets. And while it's getting done, there's going to be a lot of nothing else getting done on the Hill. So the, so let's get the, stick with the uh, debt ceiling for a second. This is from Bloomberg um, uh, September 22nd, so it's a little bit dated. Yellen appeals to Wall Street CEOs for help with debt ceiling. Uh, call your friends and Treasury tell Secretary works the phones. Uh, with leaders of Wall Street's largest financial firms, including Jamie Dimon, Citigroup's Jane Frazier, Wells Fargo, Char Charlie Scharf, B of A's Brian Moynihan, and a senior official at Goldman Sachs, the people said, asking not to be identified, discussing non-public information. Uh, okay, so so they're so the Wall Street crowd is gonna like. Convince a bunch of Republicans to break ranks here and vote for the debt ceiling. Like, why? Why, why yeah. do the Republicans care about Wall Street it, well, at this I mean, point? Yeah, they don't. They don't. And it's it. There's no reason to have any Republican votes on this thing. It. It's purely a political matter, and everybody can see it. And, um, you know, now it's a now it's getting to be a fly in the ointment on on the timing thing here. Um, the other thing, right, that's going on beyond that is, you know. Speaker Pelosi um, and Leader Schumer have both said, hey, okay, we'll bifurcate these two. We'll let you vote separately on infrastructure reconciliation. I think there's a pretty good chance that they that both fail. 
Yeah, I was going to come back to you for your prediction on the infrastructure bill. Uh, uh, you don't you don't think it's going to pass on Thursday? I think they either both fail or they both proceed. They do not. One is not left behind. Either either the either the world is a scorched earth thing, or the Democrats figure out some way to make everybody hold hands. Um, and and I'll tell you what I said to somebody earlier, right? Who asked me to predict this? Here's what you're asking to predict. What you're asking people to predict when you ask what's going to happen here, you're asking them to anticipate what are the progressives going to do, right? And that is very tricky because this group of progressives, while I agree with you, they play the role of conservatives in this little drama. Um, these progressives are crazy. They're very hard to predict because they're, they're basically um, – I don't want to say they're Bolsheviks, but they have Bolshevik tendencies. How about if I say <laughs> you it that? You can say way? they're Bolsheviks. It's and, fine. And, and and that means that means at some point, at some point, they might make a judgment that it is better for the longer and more important cause to vote against it and primary guys like Chuck Schumer. Okay, I think that. So 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 my long and short of it is forty percent that it cracks up. Okay, so the whole thing blows up. And, and, and how, how and, do they save face? And that goes up. That goes up a how little bit. How do they save face? How does who save face? The Democrats. They don't. They, 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 they don't. Their, all of their political capital. The only reason this they thing prolonged this COVID like lockdown situation in D.C. Yeah, the only reason they kept only... everyone off the hill basically. Like they've got the proxy vote still. They've got everything like teed up for this. Thing. It's the only reason. The only reason why this thing is still alive. Is because all of the momentum that you just listed out right. is behind it. If if that stuff wasn't there, this thing would have died six months ago. It would have died. It would have died in a cradle. So, but I think forty percent, and I think it's probably going up every day a little bit. I think they're going to get this infrastructure bill, uh, and I think that they're, as I said before, if they get anything on reconciliation, it's going to be whatever the Senate can cobble together, and they're going to hand it over to to the speaker and she's either going to have to bring it to the floor. Oh, yeah, she's going to eat it. And eat it and yeah. you know, she won't bring it to the floor if it doesn't pass though. See, I agree with that totally. If the Senate can get something done, Speaker Pelosi is going to have to eat it, but I think what I'm telling you is I don't think the Senate can get anything done. And that's possibly. That's a possibility. I just I think it's going to crack up because I, I think they're going to look at it like, eh. And the funny thing is all these poor house suckers they're going to get on record being in favor of all these great big giant tax increases. And if I was a moderate, I'd be like, no, I am not getting on record until the Senate gives me something. This is crazy talk, guys. But they – Speaker Pelosi seems to be serious about it. Sure. Okay. Uh, what else, what, what else know, do we want to tells discuss? you maybe you, shouldn't let, maybe you shouldn't let lame ducks make decisions like this for you. you know? She's in her last term. What does she care? What else do I want to talk about? Um, With respect to the, all this stuff. Oh, I'm so sick of this. I know. It's, Are you sick of this? I am a little sick of it. It's, I'm just tired of it. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that whether it succeeds or fails, whether it's voted for or against, the Biden administration's done. It's over. He's had his moment. I mean, we're going to spend three years watching this thing do a slow decay. And, and my guess is, is that top of next year, we're going to have people start raising yeah. their hands for raising, running for president. It's not his fault, though, Mike. Mr. President, thank you. You came into office on a message of competence and unity. We've witnessed what's
what's happened in the country over the course of the last several months. We've seen the chaotic troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, the threat of a government shut down right now, and Democrats, members of your own party, are still divided over your agenda going forward. So what do you say to Americans who say that you have not delivered on that promise? Remember I said it's going to take me a year to deliver everything I'm looking at. That's number one. Number two, um, uh, take a look at what I inherited when I came into office. When I came into office, the state of affairs and where we were. We had four million people vaccinated. We had no plan. We had, I mean, I could go down the list. So, uh, you know, part of it is dealing with the panoply of things that were landed on my plate. I'm not complaining. It's just a reality. It's reality, number one. Number two, I think the part of what has to happen here as well, for example, let's talk about my economic plan. The economic plan, you all are always, and understandably, legitimately, citing polls. Every element of my economic plan is overwhelmingly popular. Overwhelmingly popular. Yeah. But the problem is, with everything happening, not everybody knows what's in that plan. For example, all those women out there who are not able to go back to work because they have a a a, 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 a dependent uh, grandparent or a parent or they have a dependent child who needs help or they can't find daycare or they can't find a, a, I mean look at what's happening well there's a solution there's a solution in the proposal that I put forward and the plans we're now debating in the United States, among ourselves and they're debating in Congress as is the plan the essence of the plan that I laid out at the beginning and so I'm confident that at the end of the day we're going to be able to get that done. I don't understand a single thing he no, said. No, no, <laughs> I just, except I except for uh, it is not my it's, it's not my fault, guys. You know, I only ran against the other guy with all these solutions and all the things I was going to do, but I, I, I inherited this. All these I inherited elements. this when I came to office. I could go through a whole list. But I'm not going to. But I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. This is the third time I've heard this, and I'm each time I'm like, I, I don't understand any of it. My favorite, my favorite part might be, um, hey, each of these things individually is super popular. It's just that people don't know they're in there. I'm like, well, what? Why, why not? Why, not? why <laughs> like, not, Joe? Maybe you should tell them, and then they could be super popular, and then everyone would want to vote for them. The other thing I always find interesting is whenever the Dem Democrats take a shellacking, they always say that all of their stuff is really great. It's we messaging. just don't communicate it's it effectively, yeah, enough, right? Messaging. Have you noticed that pattern? Oh, yeah, it's messaging. I'm, you know, it's it, it's, it, it, it. I. There's no plan. There's no plan. If you I, recall, we uh, ran through a series of uh, uh, num uh, questions or, or responses to that survey last week that t tell a little bit of a different story. It, but it, it, oh boy, I, you know, like I said, no matter what happens here, the good news is it's going to be done by Christmas, and then we're going to get on with either you know spending the money and having this terrible failed experiment, um, or not spending the money and having this failed terrible experiment. Is the government going to shut down? Probably, yeah. How's how do they get out of that one? I mean, eventually the Republicans, will, you know, sign off on a clean CR. They'll the whole firm, you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's no there's no downside to the Republicans. It's impossible to blame them for the government shutdown. I mean, truth of the matter is, 
Democrats have been running this thing now for eight months. I mean, nine months. You're just like, dude, you must have seen this coming. You maybe saw this coming. <laughs> like, you have appropriations guys whose whose only job is to see this sort of thing coming. So I, I just, I think probably a short shutdown, like four days, a week, something like that. It's the debt ceiling I'm more interested in. I, Obviously, what's going on, not obviously what's going on, but I think what's going on is this. I think there's more than a couple of Democrats who don't want to vote for a debt ceiling increase. Yeah. They don't want to vote for it. I can't think of why else the Democrats have like not put it forward yet, why they're so insistent on having Republicans on it. There must be three or four Democrats in the Senate who are like, Oh, I don't think I want to do yeah, this. Right. Right. Why else would they why else would it be difficult, right? I mean, it's a straight vote. You do it, you have it, who cares? But this thing seems to be really fraught, at least for Schumer. Well, Mark Kelly, I mean, he might not want to vote for it. Yeah, but you know what I mean? You're gonna take a lot of crummy votes. Of all the crummy votes that you guys that of all the crummy votes that Democrats are teeing up for themselves in the next six weeks, increasing the debt ceiling might be the least bad vote. So I don't understand it, but there's obviously there's so, something going on inside that caucus, and McConnell knows there's something going on. But the on thing is, is there's, I mean, it, this may be the one time where the Republicans cannot get blamed for a shutdown. No, of course they can't. Well, I mean, they could still manage to somehow maneuver that, uh, but yeah, you know, the public isn't that dumb. Like, I, you know, the Dems are in charge of the entire town. Yeah, after truthfully, after the first shutdown, when the world didn't end way back in ninety, yeah, ninety five, yeah. when the world didn't end, if you look at the survey data off the subsequent shutdowns, it's like people don't even care. Right. There's. Just, I remember it was in Chicago for the one, the most recent one, which was, I don't remember, somewhere in the Obama administration, right? And well, Trump had one for like a few days. Yeah, it wasn't so. the Trump one. It was before right. this. So I'm in Chicago, right, having a bunch of meetings with finance guys. And a reporter called me. I was like, what do you think of the shutdown? And I remember we were in a coffee shop looking out wherever the – it was in, somewhere in the loop because there was the train, you know, elevated. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, I'm here in Chicago and, you know, there's mayhem in the streets, murder. <laughs> Homicide, <laughs> trains have fallen off the track, cars running into each other. It'll it, be anarchy. Anarchy. You know, the guy's like, no, seriously, what do you think about it? I'm like, it, it's nothing. Yeah. Out well, here in America, it's Obama, nothing. You remember what Obama did during one of them? He, he put gates around the World War II yeah, Museum. ridiculous. The I mean, open air museum, he put gates around I mean, it. Because, you know, you, you had to protect the open the, air museum. You know, I, I, I've always thought that. Um, when they make the essential workers go, we we should pass some kind of law to basically fire the non-essential Everyone else, workers. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if the government can run on these guys, right? What's and you everyone, know, Trump kept the parks open for the last I shutdown. Know, so Trump, that so. that was a misplayed shutdown. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, uh, I don't know the answer to that question, but they okay. are. Wait a minute! I gave my number. What's your number? On what? On on the reconciliation? Yeah, on the likelihood of this whole thing I think, working uh, or creating. You nailed it where I was going to go, and that is, is that if the Senate can get something through, if they can get something through, then there's about a 50% chance. So I know that's kind of a weird way to, to say it, but the, if they can't, I think Nancy can get it 
I think she can get the votes if it if they hand it over to her. But the tricky part will be figuring out how to get all 50 Democrats on board. So they're going to have till Christmas. Joe Manchin's probably got the right answer. Come back in 2022 and try this again. But for obvious reasons, the Biden, <laughs> the Biden guys are not fans of that answer. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we can um, move along. What do you would you have anything? I had three things on my list. It costs nothing. The bifurcation and the NFL. That's that it. That's it. Okay, this could be a short week. Um, we did. did you want to chat at all about oh, Eat no. the Rich, your, your girlfriend and her little gala, her little Met Gala uh, thing? Do I have to? No, I'm just asking. No. It's not a big deal. No, I mean, I, I do find I did find I just, it ironic though I mean, what's that the, like all of the help, all the people, the people yeah. who are serving all the the very wealthy people, uh, were all masked up. Yeah, right. What do you expect? So. I, 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 you know, I, I have no idea what what message was trying to be sent at thirty five thousand bucks a head. Although I, I will say she's do, pretty defensive for she. she well, do she we was know back what, on her heels? Do we know where? Bit. Do we know where she got in? I mean, we still don't know like how I, she got I, in, she, right? I mean, there was some lady who made her dress, and I mean, that's a that's got to be a. Well, I'm not worried about the dress. I'm worried about the ticket. It was thirty five thousand bucks per. She said, "Well." Vogue or Vanity Fair, she was in as a something, and it turns out that wasn't true. I, I get the feeling we're heading towards an ethics complaint on this thing. That'd be kind of fun. Some some Republican member is gonna Marjorie Taylor Greene is gonna figure out, hey man, <laughs> I can I guess she doesn't really do much because they took away her committees, which was a mistake. Yeah, um, which was a mistake. Did you see that um, the mayor of San Francisco was partying it up? Uh, at a nightclub without a mask, because uh, she had the she was overwhelmed by the feeling. She she had the feels. Yeah, I don't know if you caught that one. Yeah, she said uh, she she said I, I got in the spirit of something. I got in the spirit, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I thought I'm going to try that next time I get pulled over yeah. for speeding. Sorry, man. I, so I was just in the spirit. Got in the so. groove. And she said something else. I was in the spirit, and I didn't care about the cops or something. It was it was it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. It, it, I get the feeling what, what these folks don't understand is, is it plays into this reconciliation thing, right? You know, it's all mood music and the, the more, the more it goes on, the less people are willing to, to sort of say, oh yeah, okay, maybe we should try this. The more people are like, I'm not sure I like those guys. All right. So you're, um, sticking with AOC, here's her quote on. Um, on on the on the process here with the, with the two bills, there's absolutely a level where it's not just something is not better than nothing, but something can actually do more harm. She told reporters, "That's why we're holding firm on our line." So, yeah, I, you know, give me a second, because because um, I want to read this right on the other side, Bernie Sanders, right? Um, be right before we went on, tweeted out, I strongly urge my House colleagues, <laughs> this is so epic, I strongly urge my House colleagues to vote against the bipartisan infrastructure bill until Congress passes a strong reconciliation bill. 
And I'm like, okay. And uh, Bernie, let's be crystal clear. If the bipartisan infrastructure bill is passed on its own on Thursday, this will be a violation of agreement that was reached with the Democratic caucus in Congress. More importantly, it will end all leverage, and here we go. It will end all leverage that we have to pass a major reconciliation bill. In other words, the progressives don't really trust the moderates. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that means there will be no serious effort to address the long-neglected crises facing the working families of our country, the children, the elderly, the sick, and the poor. He obviously reads our research. Yeah. It also means that Congress will continue to ignore the... What kind of threat? Existential threat. Existential threat to our country and our planet with regard to climate change. Ding, ding, I, I, ding, ding, ding. So on that point, um, and I They're I don't so know predictable. You, They're so predictable. On that point, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you remember earlier when they passed the House Rules Package? They exempted some stuff from PAYGO. Yeah, man. Including the the existential threat. The existential threat. This is from uh that venerable publication, Axios, Senate uh, Dems seek Green New Deal. Uh, House Democrats discuss with Biden a plan to exempt billions of dollars of new climate spending from his requirement that his $3.5 trillion soft infrastructure plan be offset with additional revenue. Um, I'm, a I'm, I'm a proponent for ensuring that the climate provisions within the reconciliation Asian bill aren't subject to being paid for, said Rep. Stephanie Murphy. Stephanie Murphy, from yeah, from Florida. She was among the centrist lawmakers who met with Biden. Um, so they're they're going to try to get the climate stuff kind of backed out of. It doesn't you know, the paygo. None stuff. of it matters. So it, it's all it cost to everything is zero. So what difference? Oh, that's does right. Make? I forgot. <laughs> it's already free. It's free. So. It's free. They can back out everything. It's free. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. What else? Wait, wait. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have predictions before you close up. Do you have a close? Do you have a walkout thing? I do not. not okay. This week. Well, then let's have real quick predictions. Um, who are the two wild cards in the American League East? The two wild cards in the American League East are the New York Yankees and yes. I want Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna, um, go with, we're gonna go with boston i think i think boston's got basically they've got the orioles right yeah so they have just sales on the bump today they have just enough to get over i think they do it depends on what the yankees do with the jays if the jays sweep the yankees then then the jays it could be the jays um and and potentially not the Yankees. All right, long, long. That's right. Long range one, and I'll let you. I'll let you move this one back and forth. Um, who's going to win the pennants in the National and American leagues? These are not hard questions, Tom. I the Dodgers are clearly the favorite. Um, I'm not sure who can stop them. And in the American League, uh, it's. I think it's anybody's. I think they're all fairly. Tightly matched. Yeah, it also depends on it. Also depends on do the Yankees get in hot, right? Well, Cause, I mean, because if the Yankees get in hot, they'll rub out the you, Rays. But if you, as as you and I were saying, they cannot win every game between now and the end of the season. They They've can. got to lose a couple they of can. games. They can. They need to. The Cardinals are in the middle of a sixteen-game winning yeah. streak. Anyway, the short answer in the American League 
Tampa Bay. And in the National League, the Milwaukee Brewers are going to win. You're going to say that they're going to they're gonna overtake the Dodgers. The Milwaukee huh? Brewers have the best pitching staff. And on a, in, a, in a short or long or any kind of series, they're going to beat the Dodgers. So, and I think ultimately the, the Brewers beat the Rays. Okay. Um, all right. Well, and, and, and they are definitely, I have not seen, um, I have not seen, uh, uh, anyone as hot as Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Stanton, uh, uh, at this point in the season, uh, he's just crushing baseballs right now. It's, it's insane. Um, I do have one quick clip I'd like to maybe close with. Yeah. Let's have it. All right. Um, here we go. For our part in America, I'm working to pass historic investment and to modernize our climate-resilient infrastructure, to build a clean energy future that creates millions of jobs and ushers in new industries in the future. As part of this work, the United States is committed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions between 50 and 52 percent below 2005 levels by the year 2030. And, uh, you know, we set a goal that by 2025, our power sector will be with free of carbon. And 2030, 50% of the cars sold in the United States, we believe, tick, tick, should tick, be, tick, must tick, be tick, electric tick. vehicles. <laughs> you know, the United States. He hasn't gotten a date right in like a month. Tick, 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 tick. I just want to point out the United States didn't commit to any of that stuff. That's right. Joe, they absolutely did not. Joe Biden committed to that stuff. Okay. And I do actually have one more because if you are Joe Biden and you want the press on your side, you might not want to say something like this. I think what we're going to do is bring in the press. The Indian press is much better behaved than the American press. I got to watch out, though. I'm not going to let them down. And uh, I think, with your permission, we should not answer questions because they won't ask any questions on point. He basically preempted the questions. They're going to ask have, questions. They're going to ask questions I don't want to answer. You have the absolute right not to answer any of these questions. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a wrap this week. Uh, just uh, a quick announcement before we go. I'm feeling much better, thank you. How are you feeling? Feeling much better, thank you. Pretty good. I got about 70% of my taste and smell back, which is good. I can, uh, I can No ver- headaches, I no fever. I can fevers, that you, in fact, smell good. about 70%. <laughs> <laughs> so, I fought the COVID. And the COVID And the COVID lost. lost. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> See you.